Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. And I want to unpack this morning why we worship So if you're taking any notes today, that's what you can expect. We're gonna talk about why we worship. And the more that we study and understand why we worship, the more it informs a more meaningful how we worship. So worship is not meant to be the worship team's job and you do what we say and we're we're worshiping for the room. No, just like Alex said, when we understand why we worship, it moves us from observers to engagers. So I want us to study why, so that things will make sense of how we worship. We're not just calling you to lift your hands for a picture, absolutely not. There's so much meaning in the scriptures of why we worship, and that is informing a meaningful how we worship, amen? And there's a scripture that talks about different ways that we can choose to respond to the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord is just a holy thing. It's a reverent moment, but we can miss it sometimes because of our own response and our own preparation. And there's a scripture that really challenges these two responses, and it's found in Luke 10, 38 through 42. If you wanna open up your Bibles with me, pull it out on your phones, write it down, take a picture, save it for later. But this is actually a really common story that you've probably heard, Mary and Martha, And um, for how impactful it's been, it actually is a very short passage, but I think it packs a punch because it gives us this such a clear image of how we respond to the presence of the Lord. And I want you to take so many notes from it, but let's jump in. Luke 10, 38, 42. As Jesus, are you guys ready? Everyone at their Bible, okay. Hey, we're opening up the word right now, you guys. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha, I want you to note that it was Martha, that welcomed him into her home. Okay, so Martha welcomes him, and this is evidence that you can welcome God yet not be prepared for him. Her sister, Mary, this is where you found Mary, she sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha, the one who welcomed him, was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me, tell her. So she instinctively knew that Jesus was the authority figure in the room. She knew that he could tell her and and she would do, but she didn't allow his authority to change her. She just wanted to manipulate his authority to change somebody else. And I want you to take note of that. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details, but there is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. Amen. Mary discovered the heart of worship and it will never be taken away from her. As you discover the heart of worship, those moments will never be taken away from you. 
Worship is more than just a moment to make you feel good. Worship is always gonna be a moment that radically changes you and transforms you if you know the power of it. No matter what can go on in your week, who spoke to you a certain way, what news you got, if we're in constantly in a state of worship, there's nothing that can be truly taken away from us because we have found everything that we need in worship, amen? And that's just the urgency I wanna pray. Why do we worship? Because God is inviting us into this transforma transformational moment to become and look more like him, amen? Let's pray real quick. God, I just pray that that word would seal in our heart, that we would find a love for your presence, an urgency for your presence, and that would, we would be completely aware of the power that it holds, Lord. When you're in the room, would, would we be found at your feet? When you're in the room, would we not be distracted by the details, distracted by somebody else's response, but we would take ownership of our own engagement, our own response to you, Lord. And I just pray right now that we would never miss a moment with you. We would never miss it. Help us find the heart of worship because it will never be taken away from us. In Jesus' name we all said, amen. Thank you, Wayne. Beautiful playing, beautiful playing. I love Wayne. Why do we worship, church? Why do we worship? One of the first components of why is that when we worship, we have an opportunity to prepare the way for the Lord. We have an opportunity to prepare for his presence to be with us. We have now become hosts of the glory of God, containers for his glory. How are you hosting his glory? How does it rest upon your life? How does it sit with you? There's a preparation that comes when we worship. It's not the preparation that we think of when we think of this in like the earth terms of like striving and busyness and getting all these things done. It's so much more about just being. And the kind of preparation that the Lord is looking for is just a shift in your prioritization. I love that Sarah talked about. That's what giving does for our souls too. That's also what worship does for our souls. It prioritizes the glories in the room, nothing else is needed. And everyone prepares a little bit differently, right? I learned this real fast as a kid, um, going to sleepovers. Um, they're a tricky thing because your mom drops you off and you're stuck at somebody's house. Whether you vibe with the environment or not, she left, so you're there. And I was so sensitive as a kid to environments for some reason, because um, I was like, all right, I got 24 hours here. Let me assess, is this place clean? Is this place ready for me? But everybody prepares for guests differently, right? Um, I grew up in a shoes on or off kind of house, like whatever you're comfortable with. Um, hey, rock the shoes, why not? It's just carpet. Um, but I'll never forget the time that I realized not every house is like that. Like some houses really prefer that you take your shoes off. That's fine, that's totally fine. We all prepare differently, but there's nothing more embarrassing than figuring that out for the first time. Um, you know, going into their house, and you're, you've taken your, you're taking your tour of all the rooms like, oh, love it, love it, love it. You found your way through the kitchen, you've got your snack, you've walked now into their living room on their nice rug with your shoes and you're chilling and they tell you then, oh, we don't wear shoes in this house. Oh my gosh, you're so right. I am so dumb, what was I thinking? Now you gotta take a, a walk to the door, take off your shoes and you'll never do that again, right? It marked you. 
But every house prepares differently. There's nothing also worse than a house that just wasn't ready to have guests. So they, they want you to sit at their table and eat with you, but their, their pile of just their week is still on their table. So they're like, take a seat, and you're like, thanks, moving their stuff to the side. Then your friend's ready to go to bed. And they just didn't think to like give you things, supplies to go to bed. So you go on the couch and you pull up the couch cushions as your blanket and you cover yourself and try to get comfortable. But <laughs> the lesson I learned, even as a kid, is that how you prepare for someone is directly correlated to the meaning and the value you assess them to have. Your preparation says everything about what you believe about their worth and their value. When they're coming into your space, were you ready for them or not? And the John 4 kind of worshipers who worship him in spirit and, and truth, I believe, have readily assessed the meaning and the value of God's presence. Therefore, they are prepared accordingly. They know that it is my job to get everything out of the way, everything out of the way to hear and receive from the Lord. Worship is like a priming of our hearts ready to receive his word. How does the presence of the Lord sit with you when he comes to be with you? Were you prepared to prioritize one thing and one thing only, and that's the glory of the Lord? And I wanna analyze just the readiness of both Martha and Mary, though they both did welcome him into their house, only one was prepared to prioritize him in the room. But we, we probably often wanna, want to resonate with Mary, but I think we act like Martha a lot more. Martha was all about performing for the Lord, like right when he came in. She's doing all these things in hopes that he'll notice. Did you notice how clean my house was? Did you notice how impressive I made this spread for you, Lord? All she was doing was just telling Jesus about herself from the moment he came in. There was absolutely no lean in to what the Lord might say, and she was completely unaware of who was sitting in the room with her. But this is what I believe it looks like even in today's world when we act like this. Have you ever been in a worship session waiting to engage until a song that you like comes on? Have you ever been waiting for it to meet and match your specific preference and then I'll worship, but not until then? As if worship has nothing to do with just the presence of God and nothing to do with style. Have you ever been in a conversation where you analyze worship? I know me and Bobby have been so guilty of this. Maybe you're touring a church and you have that conversation of how was worship today and you judge it. You say it was good, it was okay, it was kind of boring, kind of slow. But we always have to correct ourselves in this moment because when we talk like that, we're acting like worship was supposed to give us something. But worship is all about giving God everything. It's nothing about what we get, but all about what we give him. So we need to correct ourselves when we're trying to analyze worship like that. It's actually all about, well, did I give him a holy offering? Did I give him a pleasing offering? Was I full of attentiveness to my God? That's how we should measure these moments with the Lord, not our style. We should never allow our feelings to dictate if we will worship or not. You might have had a hard day, but we can't wait for our feelings to match. We have an opportunity in worship to tell our souls what we believe, regardless of what we feel. Have you ever been in a worship session where you just have that spirit of busyness still running, 
and you're still thinking about what you're gonna do on the next thing, we're missing a moment with Jesus when we do this. We can never come into a room just reacting to what's going on, but we always need to come into Sundays ready with the same response every single time. I'm not gonna sit in here and react to what's going on because I have already decided in my heart what I believe, what I know about the Lord. My response is the same every single time, arms open wide, Jesus is in the room and I'm not gonna miss him, amen? Amen. Do the work of prioritizing him, not performing for him. The next thing I wanna talk about of why we worship is that worship places us in a posture of submission. Every single time we come into this room and choose to engage, that is what we're literally telling the Lord is that we submit to you. And I I really wanted to talk about this because you'll often hear one of us challenge you guys, like can we just lift our hands, can we open up our hands? And there's so much meaning behind it and I don't want you to miss what we're saying. We're not just doing a a quick call of engagement for a look. It's actually, we're saying, can we just make him Lord again in this moment? Can we posture ourselves to tell him that we're in submission of him? And if we're willing to be so distracted time and time again by what the world offers us, why can't we be willing time and time again to give him an act of submission? So you might come in here and be like, geez, they asked me three times to lift my hands. But think about how often you were just distracted in that moment of worship, probably 10 times more. So we should never, we should never be frustrated by that, by that call to engage because I wanna show him so much more that I submit than the times that I let myself be distracted. But posture says everything about who your authority is. And in in the scriptures, it was so normal. You would immediately know who was in charge of a room when you entered because it was so often for a disciple or an understudy of someone to actually like lay themselves prostrate as a sign of like, yes, you are figuratively over me, but I'm going to honor you by showing you physically that I'm under you. Posture was so important. And so I think that's exactly why the scriptures noted Mary's posture. It wrote that she was at his feet and she was telling him everything about what was in her heart just by that one decision. She was saying, God, if you're in the room, I I just want you to know I'm gonna sit here. And by me listening here, I'm showing you that I am now your disciple. I I physically place myself beneath you to, to show you that I'm beneath your presence, I'm beneath your teaching, I'm beneath your glory. So would you just speak, cause I am listening. When was the last time that you really postured yourself in such a way to tell the Lord, I am your disciple, I am under your teaching? Because when you're under someone, no matter what, you're gonna start looking like them. And I, I, I don't know what Martha was thinking. Why would she ever look like Jesus if she never sat with him? She never looked at him. But we have a moment in worship to become more like him and look more like him. And that is exactly the heart of why we are gonna lift our hands, why you're gonna see someone kneel sometimes on the floor. You might even see us one time laying on the floor. And that's the heart of why we know that there's an authority figure in the room and it's Jesus Christ, amen? And we are always gonna put ourselves beneath the Lord. And we talk about Romans 12:2 a lot the one that talks about transforming your mind. 
But there's actually a verse right before that that's actually a directive for your body. And I think we kind of skip over it because it sounds kind of crazy. But it's literally, there's a call for a certain posture in the scriptures that I think we miss sometimes. But it's actually directly correlated to worship. Romans 12:1 says, so dear brothers, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. It's not just a mind decision. It's not just a spirit moment. It's actually a physical sacrifice of your body. And I know submission sometimes in today's culture gets a bad rep because of the way humans might have flipped it for you. Maybe you've been under a hurtful authority figure. You hate anything to do with submission and someone being over dominance over you, but the beautiful thing about submission and even like bodily submission is think about the life of Jesus, how many times you saw him on his knees or washing people's feet or in prayer to God, low on the floor. This should be a beautiful reminder that Jesus is not asking for a posture that he didn't already live out. And that's why we can trust him with our submission because he did it first. So don't ever feel like God wants you to posture yourself lower because he wants to take advantage of you. Absolutely not. When you go on your knees, you find him there. That's where his presence was and is because he is a servant at heart, amen? Just a beauty and submission. The last thing I wanna talk about why we worship is to stir up the urgency of desperation. And I think this is actually one of the hardest ones for the church today because everything in our lives is so convenient, it's so predictable, we have our schedules that we created, we know what's coming, I know what service a GCT is gonna look like, but it is on us to be desperate for Jesus. Nobody else can do that. It is our decision to stir up desperation, and I think worship is a tool for that, specifically to stir it up. The more we worship him, the more we find him, the more we realize about ourselves, and then we realize we can't get away from it. Sunday morning of two songs of worship is not enough for me. I need to worship him on the way to my job, that's frustrating. I need to worship him when I don't know what to do with my kids. I need to worship him at all times because that's what I was made for. And some of you are in this room and you're like, I can't remember the last time I desperately worshiped Jesus. I can't remember the last time I felt his presence. And I'm so specifically praying for those people today that you would find desperation again because Honestly, a moment in his presence changes your whole life. It marks your whole life. Um, And I wanna have band come up, Wayne, you can start playing with me, but there was a time in my life where I had realized that it was like a couple years into me and Bobby's marriage. We both kind of grew up service, service, worshiping Jesus in the church, in the house all the time. And I had realized that both of us kind of got in this like routine of worshiping the Lord. Like it was a thing that we did just because that's what we do. But I was in an environment of worshipers who frequently talked about the presence of the Lord. And when they would talk about it, their eyes would get teary and they'd be like, oh, I just sense him in this moment right now. Like he's here. And I'd be looking around like, where, 
where is he? Like, are you guys crazy? Like, I'm in the same room, but you're having a completely different experience. But I'm so thankful that they talked about the presence of the Lord because it made me curious about it. And I knew that there was something missing in my worship. Even though it's something I'd done my whole life, there's just another element of it when you realize that the Holy Spirit's with you. The presence is with you. So I remember talking to God, like, God, I need to be done worshiping without you. I need to be done. It, it means nothing to me anymore if I'm not walking away knowing that I encountered you, but that's my decision, that's on me. So God, would you teach me what I need to do to see you again? And I remember the Lord asking me, when was the last time you gave something that cost you to me? You go in all these worship experiences and it's so easy for you because you have the gift for it, but when was the last time you came in and gave me something priceless? And I felt so convicted. And I analyzed my life and I went through every area of it. And anything that I looked and I saw that it meant a lot to me that I would hate to give it up, I gave it up. Because I wanted to just show the Lord, not to impress him, but I just wanted to show him how desperate I was. Sometimes you need to leave room, a gap in your life for him to come and fill and show you who he is. And I remember, even down to my diet, I gave up like comfort foods because I was like, I want every time I'm hungry, I want to think about how hungry I am for the spiritual things, not just the physical things. And God met me in that season in a way that has changed the way I worship forever. There will never be a moment that I come to his presence and waste it because I have found the power of it. And I'm so thankful. And I remember thinking about that moment, like, okay, well, God, I, I unlocked you. Like, I, I, I've, I've taught myself how to find you. And I remember praying for the same thing for Bobby. And everything in me wanted to kind of operate like Martha, like I need to do and strive and tell Bobby, these are the stuff you need to take, like go find the Lord. But I felt more drawn to operate like Mary in that moment. Of like, why don't you just worship God for Bobby's breakthrough? Like, why don't you just worship because you know that the Lord loves him just as much as you? Why don't you just worship him because you know his spirit has no limitations? And if it's on your family's heart to meet me, you're gonna find me. So I just remember so many times in my prayer life just being like, God, I pray that you're gonna unlock that Holy Spirit moment for Bobby just as well. I never actually even talked to Bobby about this before, that I was praying for that, but I'll never forget one day, Bobby was in Washington, I was in Florida. He calls me and he's like, Kenzie, you'll, you'll never guess what just happened to me. I was in a hotel room all by myself. I wasn't even asking for it, but God, his presence just flooded my hotel room. And I just, I've never done this before, but I just began to worship God with no music, with no band, with no worship leader, with no words given to me, but I just felt the presence of the Lord with me. And we just had a moment. And I remember just being completely wrecked. Like that's what desperation does. You stop needing people to tell you what to do and lead you into this moment, but you know, that you have that access to him too. And you can lead yourself into that moment too. Desperation, use it to find and see the Lord. Desperation gives you new eyes 
because the Spirit didn't leave you, you're just not seeing Him. So give God a costly offering. Get desperate again. If there's things you're praying for in your family, I actually wanna challenge you to worship God for it. I wanna challenge you to radically praise Him. Praise Him in a way that you're like, God, I would be crazy right now if you're not real. Like, I hope you come through. When was the last time you got, you praised God like that? But I'm praying for desperation over this room today that you never miss a moment with the Lord, amen. If you wanna stand with me this morning, we're gonna pray and then I'm actually gonna give us a moment to respond to the Lord. Now that we have talked about the reasons why we worship, I want us to start giving him a meaningful, this is how I worship now. But I do wanna pray real quick in this moment because if there's anyone in the room that has not met Jesus yet, I want today to be the day that you meet Jesus. Today to be the day that you welcome him into your heart. Today to be your day of salvation. So can we close our eyes in this room? Is if as, as I'm talking, you have just not had that moment to accept him as Lord of your life, to submit to him, to welcome the presence of the Lord into your space. He is calling your name today, and it is just not too late. It is not too late to accept him into your life. So if that's you today and you wanna make a decision to accept Jesus, would you just, as a sign of surrender and submission, would you just lift your hands if that's you, if you wanna accept Jesus for the first time? Amen, amen. The second question I wanna ask us this morning, if there's anyone in the room that just wants to rededicate their worship to the Lord. They wanna get desperate again. You feel that stirring when I'm talking about, ah, oh, there is something more. There is a presence that I'm missing. And you wanna rededicate the way that you worship to the Lord. Will you just lift your hands with me? I believe he's gonna meet you in that act of surrender. I believe he's gonna meet you in that decision that you're making today. Jesus, I pray for every heart in the room. God, whether they raise their hands or not, God, I pray that you would just let them know that you know the thoughts they're thinking. That they would be able to make you the Lord of their life for the rest of their life. And even if it's a rededication moment, I pray that today they would never be the same. They would never worship you the same because they've grasped the why. So now we're gonna give you how we worship, full of spirit, full of truth, Jesus. Would you meet us in this room? Jesus' name. Jesus' name. I'm gonna give us a moment to dive into how we worship. And one of my mentors used to tell me that we are responsible for the revelations we've received from the Lord. Everything God has taught you, you are now responsible for to respond. Have you responded to the Lord? Some of us are asking God for a new revelation, but we never even responded to the first one he gave us. And worship is a way that we are able to respond. The Bible talks about singing hundreds of times, and about 50 of them are actual commands. 
So we're not just singing because I'm on the mic telling you so. It's literally a biblical expression of responding to a a revelation of the Lord. And what I'm gonna ask us to do this morning, church, is to sing a new song. So for about a couple of minutes, we're not gonna put lyrics up on the screen. And we ourselves are gonna respond to a revelation, to a glimpse that we've caught of the Lord. And if you've ever heard us say that, sing a new song unto the Lord, this is what we mean by that. You can sing scripture over yourself. This is why I feel like worship and the word are, they're supposed to go together hand in hand. All the scriptures you've read, now we can respond to them by singing them out into the room and changing the room with scripture, with truth. It's so important to sing that over our lives, sing it over our minds. Also, if there's something in the room, like you feel like you don't understand this about God, it's frustrating you about God, you know it's the truth, but you just haven't experienced it yet, I encourage you to sing it anyways. So there's been times in my life where my situations were good and it was confusing me about the goodness of God because I was waiting for them to match up. But instead, I use it as an opportunity just to sing, God, you are so good. God, you are so good. And I didn't wait for my situations to change. I sang a new song so that my mind can have a new thought, a new belief about the Lord. The last thing I think we can do is just give God a fresh response of praise. If God is moving in your life in amazing ways, This is a moment where you can just give him the praise and the thanksgiving for it, because God alone did it, amen. So can we just take the next couple moments just to do what we just talked about, to freshly respond with praise, to freshly respond with thanksgiving, and don't wait for a worship leader to tell you what to do. You know God, so you can sing to him yourself. So let's already begin to just lift our voice in this room and just respond to God's goodness, to God's truth, Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.